The second reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, it's time for our sermon now. Uh, It'd be great if you could uh, keep your Bible open so you can follow along. Of course, we're continuing our uh, series, Stories uh, with Purpose, and so we're considering some of the parables of Jesus and uh, what they have to say to us. Uh, But as we begin, I'm going to pray, so please uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you love us, that you care about us, and you desire to have a relationship with us. Uh, We thank you for the way you have made yourself known to us, particularly in your word. And so we pray now as we consider it, that you would help us to uh, understand what it is you're saying to us through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, appearances can sometimes be deceiving. Sometimes things aren't always what they seem. Uh, This was certainly the case when my dad was a kid. Uh, So he spent many summers down the beach. And do you know what he spent then many of those afternoons in the summers doing? He would find a nice patch of sand at the beach and he'd dig a hole in the sand about this deep, about three feet deep or so. He'd dig it out. Then he'd get some sticks and put it over the top. Then he'd get a bit of newspaper and put it over the top of the sticks and then he'd get a light dusting of sand and sprinkle over the top of the newspaper so that anyone walking down the beach would look ahead and see an idyllic stretch of sand. But of course, things aren't always as they seem. And so some poor person would just be enjoying the beach, walking along. They'd walk over the top of these sticks. Of course, the sticks can't hold their weight. They'd snap and the person would fall down the hole. And he spent many, many afternoons doing this. In fact, he tells the story of uh, the time his brother uh, dug a hole out and this guy was walking along with an outboard motor, so a boat motor, and he fell down one of these holes. And then he saw my, bro- my dad's brother digging another one of them further down the beach and chased him, uh, presumably to try and beat, you know, beat him up. But uh, yeah, so the thing is, though, appearances aren't always what's going on. What we see is not what we get. That's also the case for uh, this here. Just looks like a fairly normal $1 coin, doesn't it? But I don't know if you can see that thin double line around the outside edge. Appearances are a little bit deceiving. Things aren't what they seem. Because do you know how much that little double line there makes this dollar coin worth? Not $1, but $3,000. So I'm sure we'll all be checking our $1 coins when we get home to see if we've got one of these ones. But things aren't always what they seem. Sometimes things look like something, but the reality is actually quite different. And today we're thinking about how there's one thing in particular that's not what it seems. One situation where the appearance is actually quite different to the reality. And it's important that we realise, particularly with this one, because if we miss this one, 
then it's not just a matter of falling down into a hole on the beach. It's not just a matter of missing out on an expensive coin, as nice as it would be to have that. Now, if we miss this one, then in, what's happened is we've failed to realise the truth of the world. We've failed to realise the way that the world actually functions. We've failed to realise the underlying truth of all things. In a sense, if we miss this one, then we're not living our lives according to the reality of the world. And so it's vital that we realise things aren't always what they seem. And to help us understand that, Jesus gives us two parables, two stories with purpose. The first is about gardening, and the second one's about baking. And both of them have the same point. They're both about small beginnings with gradual growth and ultimate triumph. They're about something that starts small and seems small, but even though they're small, they'll grow so big, they'll have such an influence. And so we see that with the two parables. The first parable's about gardening. And now I know many of you here are great gardeners. You've got amazing gardens, both indoors and outdoors, with flowers and fruit trees and pot plants and immaculate lawns. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not me. I think the term that describes me best is brown thumb. I think I've got the ability to kill any plant quickly, no matter what, no matter how hardy it's supposed to be. But even to those of us like me, who know nothing about gardening, this parable is still so simple. It's still so easy to understand. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed that starts small but grows big. Did you see that in verses 31 and 32? Have a look with me. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows... It's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. I mean, we all know that's how seeds work, don't we? They start off small, but then they grow big. And the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds. Now, of course, uh, we do know that there are actually technically smaller seeds than the mustard seed, but it was the smallest seed that was used in, for farming in those times in the times of Jesus. And so at the time, it was a commonly accepted uh, illustration of the smallest thing you could imagine because it was absolutely tiny. Uh, this is actually a packet of mustard seeds and you can see this is quite a small packet and even within this small packet, there's at least a couple of hundred seeds, uh, possibly a thousand seeds. They are particularly small. I took a photo of one of them as well. This is one compared to a five cent coin so a five-cent coin is obviously so small, yet look how small it is in comparison. They're about one millimetre by one millimetre. It's tiny. But things aren't always what they seem. Because even though it starts so small, it doesn't stay small. In fact, our mustard seeds can grow to be one of the largest of all the garden plants. They can grow to around 10 to 15 feet tall. They start that small but they can turn into something so big, so big that the birds of the air can come and perch in it. See, we might look at such a small seed and we might think that a small plant will come from it. But things aren't always what they seem. Such a small seed turns into such a big plant. That's the point of Jesus' first parable. And the second parable makes a similar point. Uh, this one's about baking. 
Uh, while I'm not keen on gardening, I am keen on baking. I in particular love baking sweet things, uh, chocolate chip cookies and biscuits and snacks. Uh, but Jesus isn't talking about sweet baking. He's talking about baking bread, and in particular, the part that yeast plays in it. Uh, have a look at verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And now for those of you who don't know what yeast is, it's a, a fungi that causes bread to rise. Uh, without yeast, it stays flat. It stays a little bit like this. That's what bread is like if you don't put yeast in it. Uh, but when you do put yeast in it, it causes the bread to rise and it ends up uh, like the bread we're used to. So nice big loaves. But the thing about yeast, as Jesus notes, is that you only need a small amount, a tiny amount of yeast, will work its way through a whole big batch of dough. As you're kind of kneading the dough and working it through, that tiny bit of yeast is going throughout. And then when you put it in the oven, off it goes and it rises up. And that's what we see here. A small amount of yeast is enough for 60 pounds of flour. Now, that's a lot. Um, we don't use pounds here, so that's around 30 kilos. I'm sure there's uh, quite a few of us in this congregation who weigh less than 30 kilos. So this is a lot of flour that Jesus is talking about. It's enough flour to make bread for well over 100 people. So much flour, so much dough. And yet Jesus says, even a small amount of yeast in such a huge batch is enough to make it rise. See, we might look at something so small, a small amount of yeast, and we might think there's no way it can impact such a huge batch of dough. But things aren't always what they seem. Such a small amount can impact such a big amount. And so there are two parables. Uh, they're quite simple parables, and they've got this, a fairly similar point. See how, what they're saying? They're saying something small, something insignificant, can actually have such a big influence. The smallest of seeds can grow into the biggest of plants, and the smallest of yeast can influence the biggest batch. And they're both quite simple, they're both quite easy to understand. And what Jesus is telling us is that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Did you see how he says that in both parables? Verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like. And now the kingdom of heaven is a way of Jesus saying, are those who belong to God, God's church, Christians, many of us. And he's saying, even though the kingdom of heaven seems so small now, things aren't always what they seem. Even though it seems so small and insignificant, that won't always be the case. Growth has happened, and growth is happening, and growth will happen, just like a mustard seed, just like flour. See, things aren't always how they seem which was certainly the case with Jesus. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is built around Jesus and his ministry. And on first glance, Jesus seems so insignificant, so small. I mean, think about it. He was born to a peasant girl in an obscure corner of the Roman Empire, and not even in his own home or in a hotel, but born out in a trough, a feeding tray for animals. And then straight away, within the first handful of years of his life, he becomes a refugee, forced to flee uh, to a foreign country because of King Herod's maniacal attempts to slaughter him. See, is that the kind of beginning we'd expect for the Son of God? It seems so small and so insignificant. 
and his earthly life certainly continued like that. It seemed so insignificant. As he grew older, he lived in complete insignificance in Nazareth, a backwater town, a place looked down on by almost everyone, maybe a little bit like Adelaide. And throughout his ministry, he had nowhere to put his head, nowhere to call home, nowhere to rest. He was handed over and over by the powerful, by the religious leaders. They, they sought desperately to kill him. And then eventually they succeeded as he was murdered on a cross, the most painful and humiliating way possible to die. And as one final sad note, he didn't even have his own tomb to be buried in. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. See, this is the life of Jesus. It seems so small. It seems so insignificant, so unimpressive. Have you ever thought about it like that? Have you ever realized just how insignificant Jesus seems in the eyes of the world? Just like a mustard seed, just like a little bit of yeast. But things aren't always what they seem. So even though Jesus' life seemed so small and insignificant, it was actually anything but. Because in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he saves multitudes from sin and from death. See, it's what Jesus did by his life, death and resurrection, that we're saved. He did something that none of us could do. No amount of wealth, no amount of influence, no amount of strength could save us from the wages of sin, from death. And yet that's what Jesus achieved. He died the humiliating death that we deserve so that we might live. And it's an offer that's freely available to anyone who trusts in him. And if that's what Jesus achieved by his life and death and resurrection, then how could he be insignificant? How could he be anything other than the most significant person who's ever lived? Uh, earlier this week, uh, I don't know if you heard about the story, uh, there's a story of four ladies that got uh, swept off the stones down at the beach off into water. They were down at uh, Bush Rangers Bay, 100 kilometres south of Melbourne, and they were just enjoying a nice day at the beach out on the stones, and unfortunately a big wave came and washed them out. Uh, two men nearby who didn't know the ladies jumped in and swam to help save them, and they managed to save three of the four ladies, though uh, sadly not the fourth one. And these two men who jumped in to save them are rightly considered heroes, as they should be. It was a marvellous, self-sacrificial act to risk their own lives for the lives of people they don't even know. But as great as that is, how much greater it is what Jesus did. He didn't just risk his own life to save others, he actually died to save others. And he didn't just save three people, he saved countless multitudes so if those guys are heroes, and they are, how much more is Jesus a hero who saved not three people, but millions, billions of people? See, so even though on first glance Jesus might seem so small and insignificant, things aren't always what they seem. Because Jesus wasn't insignificant or unimportant. He's the most important person who's ever lived the one who saves us from sin and death, from small, humble beginnings, comes such an incredible impact. And just like with Jesus, the early church seemed so insignificant as well. It started with such humble beginnings. Uh, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, the fathers of the early church, weren't impressive men. Uh, they were tax collectors and fishermen. They were simple and ignorant and uneducated men by rabbinic standards. They're so unimpressive. 
And do you know what actually happened to the disciples? All but one of them was tortured and murdered for their faith, impaled, skinned alive, crucified upside down. They were all murdered, except for one, except for John, who was exiled, essentially sent to an island and told, you're not allowed to leave. I mean, is that the kind of beginning we'd expect for a religion? It's so unimpressive. Uh, We might expect something grand, wealthy leaders with great education, with huge cultural influence. Yet that wasn't the case, it was the complete opposite. But just like a mustard seed, just like a little bit of yeast, things aren't always what they seem. Because despite all of that, the early church flourished. Imagine what you would have seen if you were living in those times. What would you have seen? Well, you'd have seen the early church leaders, the disciples being murdered, and the government trying to stamp down on Christianity. But you'd also have seen so much more. You'd have seen thousands of Gentiles come to faith in the Jewish Messiah. You'd have seen 3,000 people become Christians on one day alone, the day of Pentecost. You'd have seen the gospel spreading to corners of the empire that you'd never even heard of, places like India and England. You'd have seen churches popping up all over the place, hundreds of them. You'd have seen the gospel spreading, a convert here, a household there, 50 people meeting in Lydia's house in Philippi, 10 people meeting in Paul's jail cell in Rome. See, you'd have seen that despite the persecution, despite the challenges, despite seeming so small, you'd have realized things aren't always what they seem. You'd have seen the Christian faith starting to grow. No longer a mustard seed, but now a sapling. No longer yeast, but a slowly rising loaf. And I wonder, have you ever felt today like the church is so small? Like Christians are still so insignificant? I felt this at the end of lockdown earlier this year, as things were slowly returning to normal and as pubs and clubs and whatnot were allowed to have people come back. What happened? Oh, churches were allowed less people. It was one rule for everyone else and one rule for churches. And it felt so unfair, so arbitrary. And I remember feeling like we were so small and powerless, like there was nothing we could do against it. It's like we were an, so insignificant, it's like we were an afterthought. And I wonder if you felt the same like that as well. They can feel a bit, way, bit that way as well at the moment with the proposed anti-conversion laws. A law that seeks to outlaw our ability to teach what the Bible says. Uh, To teach God's good picture for human sexuality. Of course, we want to do that for love of God and love of others. Yet, the government's trying to stop us from doing that. And it can feel like we're so small. Like there's nothing we can do in the face of the government's might. Have you ever felt like that? Or what about when we try and share our faith? Uh, when we try and tell our family or friends about it, our work colleagues, often they can seem so uninterested. It seems like what we're saying can't penetrate their outer shell, can't penetrate their belief system. Have you ever felt so small and insignificant, so unimpressive then when doing that? See, sometimes it can feel like the church today is so small and so insignificant, so powerless compared to the might of the world around us. But Jesus reminds us that just like a mustard seed, just like a little bit of yeast, things aren't always what they seem. There's more to it. 
Because even though the church might feel small and insignificant now, it's not. In fact, the seed has continued to grow into a mustard tree, a tree that's so big that it can shelter so many birds in it. And we see a little bit of a glimpse of that here at Surrey Hills, don't we? Because we have here in our branch, in our little part of the mustard tree, so many different birds from so many different places around the world. Have you ever thought about that? In our church, we have birds from Australia, Scotland, the United States, China, Vietnam, Sudan, Indonesia, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Singapore, and many other different places. Birds from all over the place, all over the world, gathered together on this branch. And we're just a small snippet of the wider church, of that wider mustard tree. So even though sometimes the church might feel so small and insignificant, things aren't always what they seem. Because the seed, God's church, is indestructible. It can't be stopped. Its growth is inevitable. What started with 12 men in one country is now on every continent in the world with 2.4 billion followers. The growth of the seed can't be stopped. It's inevitable. Even in the most hostile environments in the world. Even there it grows. We see that in particular in China. Now, we might think that if anywhere could stop the seed growing, it would be China, a place where the government hates Christianity and actively persecutes Christianity or Christians and where discrimination and oppression are just part of the daily Christian life. But what do we see there? Oh, that's where Christianity is growing the fastest. In fact, uh, Christianity in China has grown by 10% every year since 1979. That's more than 40 years consecutive. And so now there's more than, or around 90 to 115 million Christians in China. In fact, the number of Christians there is growing so fast that by 2030, there'll be more Christians in China than in America. And that by 2050, China could be a majority Christian country. I mean, isn't that incredible? That despite the communist government's attempts, the seed still can't be stopped. It will keep growing and growing and growing. See, things aren't always what they seem. Though Christianity might seem so small and insignificant sometimes, the truth is so different. And one day that will be undeniable because one day Christ will return in victory. Not a humble servant this time, but a conquering king. Not riding on a lowly donkey, but on a great war horse at the head of a huge procession, the king come to declare his victory. And as he returns, he'll gather in his people to him, a great multitude outnumbering the stars in the sky, people from every tribe and tongue and nation, all gathered together like birds on the branches of the mustard tree. And on that day, it will be clear that things weren't how they seemed Though the kingdom of heaven started like a seed or like a little bit of yeast, it didn't stay that way. It will be clear that the little seed has grown into such a huge tree that that little bit of yeast has infiltrated everything. And for those who sought refuge in the branches of the tree, who have put their trust in God, then there'll be life with him. But for those who didn't, for those who thought that what they could see was all there was, then they'll miss out on that life. See, things aren't always what they seem. 
Though sometimes we might feel like the kingdom of heaven is so small, so insignificant. It's not. It has grown and it will continue to keep growing and growing and growing. As many people from many nations hear the word and believe as they accept Jesus as king. And so until that day, uh, don't be discouraged and don't underestimate the gospel. Uh, Maybe you're looking around and you just feel like as Christians we're so small and powerless and you're feeling insignificant and so you're discouraged. Maybe you feel like it's so hopeless. And I suspect if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all had times where we've felt like that, where we've felt like things are so impossible. Well, if that's you, when that's you, then take heart and remember what Jesus says here. That yes, the kingdom of heaven can seem small sometimes, but things aren't always what they seem. There's more to it. The growth of the kingdom of heaven is inevitable, just like yeast. Once you put the yeast in, you can't get it out again. It's there, slowly working, even before you see it. And it's the same for the kingdom of heaven. We might not always see the results of God at work, But God is still there. God is still working. And so don't be discouraged. And don't underestimate the power of the gospel. I think that sometimes there's a temptation for us to do that. Because we feel so small and so insignificant, we feel almost defeated before we begin. We think, oh, my friends would never believe the gospel. My family would never accept that they're sinners in need of a saviour. Have you ever felt like that? I suspect that at times we all have. I remember a Christian lady I used to work with and the story she told me once about a time a little bit like that. Uh, She invited two of her friends along to an event that her church was doing. Uh, It was a movie night where they were playing a Christian movie and she invited them along but she wasn't expecting them to come but she thought I should invite them anyway. Uh, But to her surprise they actually said yes and came along and so uh, she went along with them and they were sitting there watching the movie and you know what happened? The movie was terrible. It was one of those uh, corny Christian movies. And my friend just wanted the floor to open up and swallow her. She was thinking to herself, this is the worst. They're never going to come along. I wish they hadn't have come. They're never going to say yes. They're never going to come to any Christian thing ever again. And I suspect we can all resonate with that kind of situation. We've all been in similar situations. Times and situations where it felt like our attempts were just so weak, falling on deaf ears. Or maybe they never even got up and going to begin with because we just felt so powerless to even say anything. Have you ever experienced that? Well, these stories with a purpose that we have here help to counter that feeling because Jesus reminds us the growth of the gospel is inevitable. God will grow his kingdom. And so we can be confident. We can share boldly. We don't need to underestimate the gospel, the power of the gospel. Because remember my uh, Christian friend with her two friends? The movie was, although the movie was embarrassingly bad, one of her friends actually became a Christian from the movie. And she says it reminded her that God can work through anything. God is at work in everything. And God wants his church to keep growing and growing and growing. And so it will do just that no matter what. So don't underestimate the gospel. Though it seems small and powerless, there's tremendous, unstoppable power in it. And there's great power in our humble efforts as we point people to the gospel. And so don't be deceived. Though the kingdom of heaven might seem so small and insignificant now, things aren't always what they seem. 
the kingdom of heaven is growing and it will continue to grow until one day it's a tree that's so big that it's impossible to ignore. I'm going to pray and thank God for that. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the encouragement of this passage. Uh, We thank you that it reminds us that uh, the kingdom of heaven, though it might seem so small and insignificant now, it will keep growing until one day it is so large that it is impossible to ignore. Uh, We pray that until that day you would help us to keep pointing people towards you and towards your kingdom. Uh, Give us boldness as we declare the gospel and help us to not feel discouraged. And we thank you for the uh, reminder this is that 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 your kingdom will keep growing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.